Catholic commentary. Spiritual warfare. Stay ready so you don't have to get ready. Jesus 911. Happy feast day of St. Joseph the Worker. My name is Jesse Romero. St. Joseph the Worker, pray for us. By the way, in 1955, Pope Pius XII added this this, uh, this day, May 1st, where we celebrate St. Joseph the Worker. As a carpenter, St. Joseph worked very hard. His manual labor was very difficult. He's an example to all of us in our daily work. And he's also a powerful intercessor for those that are seeking employment. Hey, over the weekend, something big happened in Boston, Massachusetts. I got my buddy, Ken Murphy, who's going to give us a blow-by-blow, an analysis of what's going on. Uh, uh, hey, brother, uh, Kenneth, uh, welcome to the uh, Jesus 911. Talk to us about what happened over there in Boston, Massachusetts over the weekend. Kenneth Murphy was the tip of the spear. He probably got a lot of arrows in his back like St. Sebastian, but he was out there <laughs> leading the charge. Kenneth, welcome to, to Jesus 911, my friend. Thank you, Jesse. Thank you. Yes, over the weekend, uh, we had uh, we just concluded three days of uh, rallies of reparation. Mm. Uh, we had uh, about 100 people on Friday. We had over 200 people on Saturday. Praise God. And then, and then over 100 again on Sunday. Excellent. So a, a great turnout Sunday, last day. Uh, Friday was uneventful. We got only uh, one person who gave us the uh, single finger salute. Uh, and that was it. We, we did see Satanists off in the distance. They kept their distance. They did some shouting, but we did the St. Michael prayer and they ran away. Uh, 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 Friday was a, was a very beautiful day. Saturday, we had 200 people, a huge turnout. Um, on Saturday, we noticed across the street that the, uh, uh, some of the security, uh, that was being employed, this, this gentleman was, was kind of giving his ear all the time, kind of leaning over listening. And uh, at a certain point, uh, there were some uh, metal fences and he put his fingers together and we could tell that he was, uh, saying the words of the rosary. Wow. Uh, he was being employed by the, uh, well, I'm actually, I probably won't say what, no. uh, what, well, he was right there. He was right there <laughs> That's good uh, enough. working as security. And, uh, so a few of our friends went over there. Actually, though, though, some of the, uh, one of the, uh, one of the groups was a, uh, a they're called Crossbearers. It's a, it's a Catholic, uh, biker group. Yeah. Uh, you know, from, you know, from, uh, California, Jesse, you know, bikers, they have the, the top, uh, rocker. Uh, in their case, it says Catholic, the bottom rocker, it says, uh, Crossbearers. So they went over. They're from the south, and uh, they they spoke very uh, nicely and kindly to him, and he uh, he uh, had a great conversation with him. Well, yesterday on Sunday, that security guard joined us for the whole day. He joined wow. us, uh, <laughs> yeah. So on Saturday, Friday, Saturday, he, his job was to keep an eye on us. On Sunday, he joined us, and he prayed the rosary with us. He was there the whole time. Uh, we stayed a little longer on Sunday, knowing that it was our last day. Uh, we also know on Sunday as well that since nothing had happened Friday and Saturday, that'll be the day that the devil will will pull out all the stops. He will try to get something to happen, try to get us to maybe lose, put our guard down. Uh, at, on yesterday, we did have two. Um, uh, later, I was told they were Pentecostal, uh, but they they were very hostile, as as what I would call them, uh, very hostile towards Our Lady. Uh, two of them came up with a bullhorn saying that they were going to smash the statue. Uh, we had a big statue of Our Lady of Fatima with us. Uh, but thankfully, we had these uh, beautiful uh, pictures of St. Michael, but they work as great barriers uh, to hope uh, to keep that line. We had our strong men uh, on, the, on the perimeter and uh, they said, you got to let us go by uh, freedom of speech. And they said, no, we don't. We're, I, I, um, I'm going to stay here and you can't touch me. And that, so it was a bit of a standoff. 
when the when the police saw something was happening, they came over, and those two they scattered. Uh, if you want to see uh, any of the interactions, uh, there, uh, the whole uh, rosary was actually uh, live streamed. If Good. you go to uh, TFP Student Action on YouTube, you can check their video. You can see the whole live feed there. Um, what uh, the the um, at a certain point, there were three Satanists that protested us. Uh, uh, they were right outside. We were just praying, doing our doing our rally of reparation. But they were shouting at us uh, using again electric uh, microphones. And uh, uh, but it gave a different dynamic to us because there were uh, a fire engine going by. And when they saw the Bostonians, I think when they see a conflict, they're like they pick sides. So people going by, they were honking. We had <laughs> thumbs up. We had cheers coming out the windows. Uh, it gave a different dynamic to it. You know, if you're just there praying on the side of the road, Bostonians, they, I think they say, oh. They're just having a nice day, praying a rosary. But then when they see the conflict, they pick sides. So it was a, it was a, added a new dynamic uh, to it. Um, uh, we had a great uh, comment that came on the live stream on the TFP uh, YouTube channel. This this man said that he and his friend uh, watched the live stream, and his friend, after watching the live stream, went to confession for the first time in years, and then later to mass in the first wow. time in years. So. Uh, well done to that man who decided to invite his non-practicing Catholic friend to to see the live stream, and he got his friend back to uh, confession. Kenneth, um, Kenneth, before realizing, Kenneth, this is Terry Barber. I want to congratulate you on what you've done, and I want to speak the words of Cardinal Robert Seurat to you, okay? Because you didn't get support of the clergy, but you got Cardinal Robert Seurat saying this. He said the church is dying because her pastors are afraid to speak in all the truth and clarity. We are afraid of the media. We're afraid of public opinion, afraid of our own brethren. The good shepherd gives his life for his sheep. That's Cardinal Robert Seurat just giving you thumbs up for what you've done because you weren't uh, afraid of the media. You weren't afraid even of the shepherds who didn't want to support you. You did the right thing, and for that, I thank you. Yes. That is the, the role of the laity, is yeah. to go out there into, into public and uh, we joined in with adoration as well. Um, I, it's, I think it is amazing. I, I was looking up, trying to calculate. Uh, this might be the most adoration in in 50 decades because if you look at a 20, 2009 article, there was no perpetual adoration in, in Boston for 40 years. Wow. That's so, uh, yeah. Wow. So, I wonder but, why but I evil mean, can abound. There you make sense. Okay. Yeah. But, you know, the devil, he's stepping on his own feet because now adoration is on, on everybody's mind awesome. here in Boston. So I... I, I, I I think it will come come back and come back strongly. Like it's like um, a boomerang. It's a boomerang. Yeah, that's boomerang. right. That's yeah. right. It's it's classic Our Lady. She crushes the head of the serpent, but she uses her heel. You know, she <laughs> she just it's it's almost like she's saying this doesn't take any effort. You know, Our Lady of Lepanto when she came down dressed in armor, she was holding the scepter just with her two fingers. You know, wow. as if to say, you know, with very little effort, she yep. will she will crush the head of the serpent. Hey, Kay, let me ask you a question. Uh, I want to give kudos also to uh, TFP, American East Fatima. Oh, yeah. Uh, that uh, apostle. What, it wouldn't have happened without them. What, it wouldn't not have happened. They're simply, critical. Simple for, as that. They're critical for the lady right now because they come out in full force. They come out with their the banners, their bagpipes, organized, suit, <laughs> suit and tie. God bless that organization. Boy, oh, boy. Uh, I know they virtually get no support from the shepherds. But I'll tell you what, they are the epitome of the church militant. So I, I want to just give a kudos Amen. to John Ritchie and his team out there who time and time again, wherever you see BLM, Antifa, the Temple of Satan, or any other anarchist, you can you can rest assured that TFP is going to be out there. Correct, Kenneth? 
That's right. That's right. And we had a family come down from Maine. I mean, that's hours and hours away. They drove down because they they saw the live stream on the TFP website and uh, they're like, they told their mom, we're coming down. So at a certain point, we saw this car screech to a halt right in front of us and and all the doors open. So we kind of, uh, you know, we uh, got ready for something. But uh, the boys, they just got out. They were wearing miraculous medals, their rosary. They simply oh, lined up and they were there. Their mom, you know, uh, went about uh, her, her uh, whatever she was uh I, there was also a great uh, interaction. A friend of mine from uh, near Stoughton, uh, just south of Boston, she came up to me. I was not expecting to see her because she had already told that uh, even though she would help us with some of the logistical support, that uh, she wouldn't be able to join that because it's just something she would never do before. But two of her friends uh, came and uh, she said, my friends brought me here. I thought I could never do anything like this. But as soon as I arrived, I knew this is something I could do and I could do again. Awesome. Wow. So I thought that was a great, no, great it's a faith uh, builder. When you, when you're out yes. in public with a rosary, with Jesus in your heart, That's right. projecting the word of God into the cosmos with other fellow Catholics for a good cause like this, standing against evil, as it, as Ezekiel says, standing in the breach it, what it does, it energizes your faith. And now you know why you're Catholic and you say, yes, I get it. I get it. You know, there's a battle between good and evil. And for us as Catholics, our goal is to bring in the social kingship of Jesus Christ into every individual heart and into every nation. And that's exactly what you guys did. And who knows? There could have been a blessed Bartolo Longo within the crowd in there. And because That's of right. your prayers, somebody in that satanic conference may receive that prick of conscience and come to conversion to Jesus Christ and back to the Catholic Church. Good for you, Kenneth. Thank, thank you. And uh, Christ the King, that was one of our slogans. Uh, TFP, they made a list of uh, chants or slogans that we could do at any time. Mm -hmm. It was great because someone over here might say, Viva Cristo Rey. Everyone else would say, Viva and then someone will say, Satan has no rights. The response to that was, Satan has no rights. Someone could ask, uh, why are we here? The response is to watch and pray, which of course you know is from uh, St. Matthew's. Um, okay. to, and then uh, we had yeah. as well, um, long live Christ the King. And the response was, long live Christ the King. We have to bring Beautiful. the kingship of Christ Amen. into the world. Amen. Into the world. I'll be honest with you. Those people that were there, the Catholics that were there, they'll never be the same again because that's right. It, it, what it does to your faith, it overhauls it, it energizes it, it takes it to another level. And you realize that Catholicism is something to be lived out in public, not just behind your closed doors at home or inside. That's right. Someone even yeah. said that that street intersection will never be the same again. There'll be an angel, a guarding <laughs> angel on that spot, knowing that that location, that intersection defended our Lord. When, when so many weren't weren't there, there were there was angels there joining those that were that were able. And uh, uh, someone had an idea. I want to uh, pass it by you. Uh, there was a family that came up from Texas, and uh, they and TFP down in Texas had protested a uh, a, a beer brewery that had decided to do a black mass at their oh. brewery. Uh, unfortunately, uh, the uh, family of the uh, brewery, they were actually uh, traditional Catholics, but Satanism is an attraction to everybody. And one of their sons just went down the path of Satanism. He held a black mass there. Uh, the family uh, the, was was devastated by the, this, the, this boy's reaction, Can but he was the that, owner of the brewery. I thought we want to keep you on for one more segment. Okay, 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 sounds good. Stick around. You're listening to Jesus Night One. We got Kenneth Murphy, Murphy, tip of the spear over in Boston, Massachusetts. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. Now, back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, 
Dial 888-526-2151. Jesus 911, three-man car, Jess Romero, Terry Barber, Kenneth Murphy. Kenneth Murphy was a tip of the spear. Young Lake Catholic adult author in Boston, Massachusetts this weekend who led a prayerful, peaceful rally of reparation against the Temple of Satan that was having a conference at the Marriott Hotel. Shame on the Marriott, but that's another story. It's run by Mormons. What do you expect? Uh, and uh, and Kenneth, uh, as a lay Catholic who understands his baptismal and confirmation call, a child of God, a soldier of Christ, led Catholics out there in uh, prayers of reparation for the salvation of the souls of those people in that conference also to, uh, uh, to do reparation for the blasphemies against the sacred heart of Jesus and the immaculate heart of Mary. Kenneth is a young man who gets it. He gets it. And Terry, we're talking after the break. Oh, yeah. The fruits of yeah, this. I'm you mentioned two things that are powerful that happened in Boston as a result of this. What happened? Well, Ken, two things. I always say that the, the devil actually got the beat down. I'll tell you how. He got the beat down because you were out there making reparation. You know, out there, uh, Our Lady of Fatima talked about, you know, souls are going to hell because no one's there to pray and make reparation. So there you go, number one. Number two, what you said about Eucharistic adoration. St. Maximilian Colby uh, was a big promoter of Eucharistic adoration. And uh, he always said that uh, this is something that uh, Satan hates. And so the very fact that adoration is going on right now as we speak in the Diocese of Boston is a victory for our Lord and a loss for the devil. And so what, I'm, what I said to Jesse at the break, Kenneth, is I said you gave the beat, the, the beat down to the devil because you, you hit him with both a left and a right, with a prayer and action. And so I just want to say uh, that if this happens again, I want other people who are listening to do exactly the same thing. What happened in Phoenix, what happened in Boston, they're going to do it again, and we need to have the same response. So I just, again, want to say God bless you and your team that worked on this project because the effects of what you guys did over the weekend are going to be felt for all eternity. Yes. You drove pe- Your actions, uh, Kenneth, and your team and TFP drove people to adoration. And so it's a boomerang. The devil threw a, a, a he threw a, a, an arrow at you guys and it came back and it clocked him in the head. I because, love it. Because now people are going to start incorporating Eucharistic yep. adoration into their life. Now parishes across Boston, Massachusetts, the pastors are going to say, hey, this is here to stay, Eucharistic adoration. And, and, and you that's got, right. Exactly. That's right. And you got more. And perhaps even uh, communion on the tongue as well. A lot of. Uh, A lot of of churches said, look, especially right now, communion on the tongue. If you if you don't want to receive communion on the tongue, you must receive right in front of us. We are going to watch you. Mm -hmm. Uh, Actually, that same lady who joined us and said that she she said she never would ever do public action. But now she knows she could do it. She actually stopped someone from leaving the church with a blessed sacrament. Yeah. So vigilance is needed. Amen. And uh, perhaps some of the practices that worked well in the past will come back again as well. To, uh, to save the Eucharist from desecration. Well said. Yeah. Uh, uh, all, uh, John Ritchie wrote a, 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 a letter on TFP's website. says, special thank you to all for the success of the, of the three days, April 28th to the 30th of public prayer, peaceful protests and reparation near the Boston Marriott Hotel where Satanists held their weekend of blasphemy convention. We stood out there on the sidewalk, prayed against the satanic blasphemies going on inside in the hotel 
uh, and in the name of all Americans who love God and reject Satan. Uh, he says that we, as we wrapped up these three days of prayer, want to, I want to make sure that you were thanked for your support immediately. He also says there's a video of our work in Boston to oppose the mainstreaming of Satanism. So you can go to, uh, what's it called? What's the website where we can watch the video? Kenneth, uh, go to go to YouTube and t- and type in TFP Student Action, and then go to their videos or go to their live feed. You'll see those videos right there. They'll be the latest ones. Awesome. Yeah. Um, a great, great, great place to go. Great place for encouragement for other locations. If there's any college students out there, request TFP to go to your u- university. You get to pick the topic. You know whether you're given been if you're given a hard time on pro life, on family, on any topic. Ask TFP to give you some uh, backup that the. Uh, uh, the uh, the team will set will 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 be there and uh, give out the ten reasons of your choice. So yeah, TFP yeah. TFP is like an instant strike force. You know what I'm saying? You call them. Hey, we need some backup. This is happening in our city. They'll organize them. They'll be right there. They're like a Catholic strike force of a bunch of young people, and you can count on them. In other words, they got our back. They're in love with Jesus, Our Lady, and Holy Amen. Mother Church, and they're fearless as well. Kenneth, one of the things that I did read on the internet that the Satanists did, it doesn't surprise me on day one, you know, uh, they, they got a Bible and they shredded a Bible on Friday. That was like to open up their conference, you know, here, yes. tough guy, yes. they got the Bible and they shredded it inside their, their uh, and they also shredded an American flag that had a thin, bl- a, a thin blue line flag, which is a, which is a, a law enforcement uh, pro law enforcement American flag. So that's what they did on Friday night. They shredded a Bible. They put that on YouTube. They shredded an American pro law enforcement American flag. They put that on YouTube as well. I don't know. It seems to me, I was reading some of the comments. It says it looks like it was uh, some type of a Biden Democrat gathering or something. (laughs) (laughs) And, and worse will come out as well as details emerge. I I remember when, uh, I wasn't there, but I remember when Oklahoma as state capital, they, they put up that 3,000 pound statue of, yep. uh, I'm not even gonna say the name right. of the devil, but those demons, children yeah. looking at it. Demon God. Yeah. And uh, uh, they said, oh, it's just art. You know what, what's your problem with art? It's a beautiful statue. You know, we're just gonna unveil a piece of art. Are you the art police? You know, they were saying to all the Catholics that had concerns, but then months later, they did an interview with Vice Magazine saying that the first unveiling of that statue in the state, state hall was a ritual. All present had to be Satanists or consecrate themselves to Satan in order to be there for the first unveiling. So when they want to downplay what they do, they, they downplay it. And then maybe later they'll even exaggerate what they did. So, but we know they're lying when their mouths are moving is, is, uh, exactly. is, is yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, I'm sure, I'm sure video that was taken and stuff, things will start uh, emerging of, of what they did as well in that, in the, that Marriott hotel. Kenneth, one, one quick note I saw over the weekend on video, on video of them continually saying hail satan hail satan it was just like you can't get anything clearer than good and evil <laughs> i mean is there any i mean anybody watching this going wait a minute good hail jesus christ to praise be jesus christ hail satan hey, hey hail mary you know? come on hail mary is there anything clear and so i think in one sense a- again this can wake people up like the example you gave to go to confession i think that you're going to find on the other side when we're all please god in heaven the, the people that were converted because of the graces that were given by those standing up for truth. So I just, want again, want to say, praise be Jesus Christ now and forever. Amen. Yes. Also, Amen. Uh, yes. Kenneth, and I'll tell you why, again, Catholics are doing the right thing, opposing these guys with prayer and a rosary in our hand anywhere they yeah. show up around the country, is because this is the organization 
that's setting up this after-school Satan clubs in elementary schools across America. So they're going after our kids. That's this, right. This is the group that also is promoting uh, LGBTQ books that target children in libraries and schools. This is the group that also, the Temple of Satan, this is the group that also supports, uh, you know, uh, drag queen shows in libraries. These people are going after our children. They're going after the next generation. They're not hiding what they believe in. They called this weekend the weekend of blasphemy. And, and what does it mean when they put a, sta- a satanic statue somewhere in public? Well, think about think about what the statue of Iwo Jima means to the Marines, to the military. Uh, a statue is a monument. It's a war memorial. It's basically saying, we conquered. This is ours. This is, it's a way of consecrating a place and letting people know, like the Iwo Jima statue. It tells the Japanese communists, guess what? We took over your land. We're bringing freedom right. into this land. And so when they put a satanic statue in public, uh, in, in a state capital, what they're saying is, we have conquered this space. We are taking space here for Satan. And as Catholics and even Protestants, we cannot let that happen. Yes. At the, at the cathedral uh, in Boston, where we went uh, for mass, the, the, the priest gave a great sermon. He said, the Satanists go and do their public thing in order to claim victory in the places where Catholics do nothing. And that nails it, you know, where, where, where there's no reaction, they claim victory, that Satanists show up to claim victory with their statues, with these conferences. Uh, uh, so we, we can't give them that victory. Got to deny them that, that place. Ken, I'll tell you what, but, I, I know you got a lot of arrows in your back from, from critics, but you know what? Our Lord Jesus Christ and Our Lady are looking at you and smiling at what you did. And that's all that matters. Sometimes Catholics say, oh, but what about the bishop or what about... You know, Father so-and-so, I say, let's be Jesus pleasers. Don't be men pleasers. Let's put a smile on our Lord and our lady. All The only thing that matters is what they believe. And I know they want their children to stand up against public blasphemy against the sacred heart of Jesus and the Immaculate Heart of Mary. So you got about a minute, brother. Uh, give us some concluding remarks. Our Lady of Fatima uh, commanded us to do reparation. So we we have to. We This is our obligation. Uh, Lucia, the oldest at Fatima, she said that God will hold us responsible for all the souls that he put along our pathway. And she said, you could, everyone can look it up. Don't wait for, for others. Don't wait for uh, to be led by a leader. Don't wait for, for, uh, for uh, even religious congregations, priest or a bishop to show up to lead you. She said, we are individually each responsible. One last thing. Uh, let's do a rosary rally in Boston on a regular basis. You know, maybe once a month, if anyone is in Boston, let's not let this end here. Maybe uh, contact again, bostonreparation at gmail.com. We'll pick one day a month, <laughs> maybe for a couple of years, I right outside it. Marriott. Do a rosary right there. You know, let's uh-huh. not give up that territory. Let's claim it. It's, it's going to be <laughs> Amen, for brother. our Lord and Our Lady. Amen. I love your style, Kenneth. Yeah. Keep it up. Yeah, Kenneth, uh, you know what? Thank you very much for coming on, brother. We'll stay in contact. You know, we got each other's contact information. Uh, I know I know that Terry and me, we got an ally over in the East oh, Coast. Yeah. His name is Kenneth Murphy, and you got allies out here in the West Coast, one in California, one in Arizona. Uh, thank you, brother, for all you do. You make me proud to be Catholic. You made a lot of people proud Amen. to be Catholic. People around the country, they took notice of what you did. And you know what? Your army may have been small, but remember, Gideon defeated his enemies with just 300 men. He didn't need 10,000. That's, right. so, That's right. Yeah. So, uh, and one last shout out. We have a man called Corey. 
Uh, he's asking for everyone's prayers. He came to the rally and he said that at the rally, he decided, and you could tell he has a past. He came up, he said, I've had a rough childhood. He had the tattoos to, and, the, and the scars to uh, prove it. He said, at that rally, I decided I would quit my job and join Christ. We didn't know what that meant, but this morning he said, <laughs> I had a very cushy job. I quit my job. I know that God is calling me to be full-time defending him, and I'm looking for a place. Uh, today is St. Joseph's Feast Day. St. Joseph will point him in the oh, right direction, awesome. and uh, maybe you will have him on your show as well. Corey, I, I, I sent you uh, his details. He will give his story. Absolutely. Thanks a lot, Kenneth. I'm definitely God bless you, brother. On. You keep yeah. up the God good bless. work. Right yeah. on. Wow. Thank Kenneth you. Murphy, Murphy out yes. in Boston. And I want to thank also the Stations of the Cross who carried our show to promote this event that's went on. We had lots of responses from the Catholic radio there. So, Jesse, amazing. What's up when we come back from the break, brother? I'm going to talk about, Terry, the fear that they've... Uh, well, I'm going to talk a little bit about um, Dennis Prager's oh, debate yeah. versus Matt Brad. I got some thoughts about that. And then we'll talk about the the whole fear that they that, that they projected upon every human being uh, because of the lockdowns. Wow. False fear, Terry. False fear. Hey, I'm just sitting in today, but I'm, I'm going to listen to this. You want to miss it. Stay with us, family. We'll be right back. Now, back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151. Soul Patrol, Jesus 911, two-man car. I got Terry... <laughs> Terry, jumping in here. Oh, with yeah. I'm, 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 I'm listening, Jesse. I love this stuff. By the way, I'm in headquarters right now. Yeah. I'm right now in West Covina. <laughs> I was uh, at Holy Innocence uh, in Catholic Church oh, in yeah. Long Beach with Father Peter Irving. Mm. What a weekend I had. <laughs> wow. And I'll be honest with you. I, I, I do what I do every time I go somewhere. Uh, power preaching with devil-destroying theology. I did a spiritual warfare conference on Friday and Saturday, and on Sunday all day, I did a Spanish spiritual warfare conference. <laughs> and he's standing still. Yeah. Hey, Jess, I got to tell you, though, this we had Anthony down there videotaping some of the stuff you did, and all of our monthly donors are going to get that audio. It was fantastic. Uh, if you want to become a monthly donor for Virgin Most Powerful Radio, it's only $25 a month. Not only do you get Jesse's talks, uh, highlights of the talks on spiritual warfare, but you get Bishop Sheen, you get Scott Hahn material. Every month, we download information to you. Uh, so if you want to do that, call 877-526-2151. you want to do it online, you go to vmpr.org and become a monthly supporter. Because I, I don't know of anybody else that's doing what Jesse is doing. I'll just brief one more thing. I took him to morning mass uh, this morning, and people were like, oh, that's Jess Romero, yeah. Guys, just, uh, how do I hear him? Well, you see, we still haven't got the message out. There are still people who do not have our VMPR app download. And people, please, you are listeners, get the word out. Tell people to download the VMPR.org app. It's absolutely free so they can start listening to our shows anywhere in the world. So, just continue. You're at Holy Innocence, oh, by, yeah, Full House. Yeah, and, uh, and, and by the way, uh, I'm also going to be doing some power preaching with Devil Destroying Theology here at the Sacred Heart Chapel with my brother John, oh, the original Sons of Thunder. That's right. We got a men's conference. And if you have a lukewarm man at home, husband, father, grandfather, son, send him. What's the date, Terry? What's June the date? Four, let me make sure. June 14th is what I think, but let me double check it. 17th. I was wrong. The Saturday, the 17th of June. Please come. I'll be there also as the MC. 
And uh, look forward. You can register right online by going to vmpr.org. And I want to just recommend for the for the wives, get your husband as a Father's Day gift a ticket to go to the men's conference. Uh, the benefits are out of this world. That's what I would say. vmpr.org or call 877-526-215. So the, ori- the original Sons of Thunder will be on June 17th here yep. at Sacred Heart Chapel. Yep. I love when I team up with my brother Johnny. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's how I started. That's right. I remember it we well. started. When both of us had black hair and uh, <laughs> they were young Romeros, young Romeros, not not so much. But you know what? I better I'd rather burn out than rust out. Thank you. Uh, and so I'm okay with uh, getting old and just spending <laughs> my life for Jesus Christ like a candle. Oh, I, let me give you my analysis first of all. Want to say that there's a uh, two good men out there that I respect: Dennis Prager and Matt Frad. Oh yeah, they're good men. Uh, good men. Uh, Dennis Prager's not Catholic. He's a Jew. He's a man of goodwill. I would call him Luke two fourteen, man of mm-hmm. goodwill. Or Luke two forty one, Matt Frad, his he was a Catholic apologist, worked for Catholic Answers. He has a Thomistic philosophy, a degree in, in Thomistic philosophy, and he's also garnered an expertise in the area of sexual morality and right. sexual immorality. And so they had a, a, a friendly discussion debate of a few days. I think last week, and it's it's on it's, it's on the internet. Right. They sent it to me. I watched it twice. Wow. So let me give you my analysis. Okay. Sure. I want to hear it. Between two good men, but one just appeals to the Old Testament, and Matt appeals to the Old and New Testament. So you, here's the difference right here where you're going to see. So as Matt Frad debated Dennis Prager, uh, Matt debated Dennis in defense of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Now, it, it was a very respectful debate. So kudos to both of these intelligent men, men of faith. Now, the debate was was issued by Matt Frad because Dennis Prager, he he made statements at a conference that he disagreed with the words of our Lord Jesus Christ that, quote, anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And so... It was that reason that Matt Frad asked him, I'd like to have a discussion with you, a dialogue, a debate on, on, the, on that topic of Jesus's words about looking at a woman lustfully, you've already committed adultery in her heart. Dennis Prager's position was, he says, that's not in the Old Testament. That's not, the, that's not in my canon of scripture. And so I think that Matt Frad he did a masterful job explaining the Catholic religion because he took it right to the dignity of the human person, specifically the dignity of the female that St. Peter calls the weaker sex. And so as a result of that, we as men are called to protect the weaker sex. And so Dennis is great. Dennis Prager is great when it comes to politics when it comes to the culture wars. But I could tell by listening to the debate, watching it studiously, that there's an area of intellectual blindness on, on, on this particular issue of pornography. And it was exposed by Matt Frad. Matt Frad exposed that Dennis Prager has an intellectual blind spot when it comes to pornography. And it was exposed intelligently. Now, why is that? Why? Well, because Dennis, who's a good man, 
and I respect, but he only appeals to the Old Testament. And remember, he himself always says this in the radio, in this program, the Old Testament primarily regulates human behavior. There's, there's, in the Old Testament, there's not a heavy emphasis on interiority. The, on the Old Testament, there's not a heavy emphasis on the interior life. And so Matt Frat, Brad, who appeals to the complete revelation of God, the Old and New Testament, without the New Testament, there will be an area of blindness because the New Testament, as Matt Frad shows, it not only regulates human behavior, but it more especially regulates our interiority, our interior life. As St. Paul says, the inner man in Ephesians 3.16, the inner man in 2 Corinthians 4.16, and as our Lord talks about in Matthew chapter 5, verse 1 to 9, the Beatitudes, which talks about the interior life. And so here's the fancy word and I'll define it. Don't worry. Okay. So Dennis Prager's, his epistemology puts him at a disadvantage against Matt Frad, whose epistemology draws from the fullness of truth. So what is epistemology? Epistemology, it, it, it means, uh, how do you know what you know? In other words, epistemology asks the question, how do you just know what you know? And so Matt Frad, the advantage that he has is that he draws from the, the full 73 books, number one. His epistemology draws from sacred tradition of 2,000 years, number two. And Matt Frad draws, his epistemology draws from the perennial teachings of the magisterium for 2,000 years. And so this puts him at an advantage because Dennis Prager's epistemology, he only draws from the Old Testament and the commentaries of the rabbis. And by the way, many of these rabbis that he draws his commentary from, they rejected Christ openly and in their writings. And so remember, to reject Jesus Christ as a son of God and as Lord and Savior puts you at a disadvantage intellectually. Why? Because our Lord is the way, the truth, and the life. And remember, as it says in John chapter 1, verse 17, quote, For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth come through Jesus Christ. Amen. Close quote. So this is how the law and grace interrelate or interface. St. Augustine says, the law was given so that grace we would seek and grace was given so that the law we can keep, close quote. So remember, Matt Frad's advantage intellectually is because he draws from the source and summit of sanctifying grace, which comes from the Holy Eucharist. So Matt, because he receives the Holy Eucharist in a state of grace, this objectively enlightens his mind at a deeper level. And this objectively puts, puts our, our, our Jewish fellow travelers who are conservative and patriots, it puts them at a theological and moral disadvantage because the human intellect, unaided by grace, will be at a disadvantage when you seek to examine the moral issues that affect mankind. 
Also, without embracing the fullness of truth found only in the Catholic Church and without feeding on the Holy Eucharist, which is the indispensable element of Catholicism, because Dennis lacks these two things, our Protestant brothers and sisters who are fellow travelers in, 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 the, in the culture wars, because they lack these two things, they're going to miss the mark on certain areas of morality like pornography, masturbation, contraception. That's my commentary. Makes sense, Jesse. Yeah. Everything you said makes total sense. And you know, Jesse, I like Dennis Prager. I've met him. I respect him. But again, we have the fullness of the faith. We have the not just the Old Testament. We have the New Testament. And I, I have not seen the, the debate, but from what you just described, I would encourage everybody to see that debate. You know what I've noticed also, Jesse, not only on pornography, once you, once you go down that road on pornography, we're going to be talking about it on the Terry and Jesse show in a couple hours today with Father Charles Murr. But once you cave in on pornography, these other issues, contraception, divorce, you know, Dennis Prager is a divorced man. I can see, and he justifies that on his radio show, that divorce, because in the Old Testament, is his take on it, it's okay, right? Because he doesn't have the New Testament. There's all these moral issues that Jesus Christ brought into the picture. And so I think that, uh, yeah, he had a huge advantage um, to uh, talk to Dennis Prager, and I hope that evangelized him too, Jesse. Yeah, Terry, I think I think you can see Dennis Prager looked at Matt Brad. Me. I mean, he's like, wow. Good. Where is this guy getting this from? <laughs> and again, it's because Matt Brad is a well-formed Catholic Christian man. And uh, he was the perfect person to talk What's to. What's up next, Jess? We're going to talk a little bit about uh, the propaganda and lies about uh, the COVID-19 here. Now, back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888 526 2151. Soul Patrol, Jesus 911. The, the pure fear excuse for lockdowns. Boy, oh boy, they played us for fools. <clears throat> the government deliberately used propaganda on their own citizens to ratchet up fear of COVID and increase compliance with restrictions. Across the Western world, governments use propaganda on their own citizens for the specific purpose of ratcheting up fear of the coronavirus and increasing compliance with lockdown measures. State scientists in the United Kingdom later admitted they use fear to change minds in a series of interviews with author Laura Dodsworth. Here's what she said, quote, Using fear as a means of control is not ethical. Using fear smacks of totalitarianism. The use of fear has definitely been ethically questionable. It's been like a weird experiment. Psychologists didn't seem to notice when, I, when it stopped being altruistic, close quote, as one member of parliament put it, quote, it is true that the state took the decision to terrify the public to get compliance with rules that raises extremely serious questions about the type of society we want to become. If we're being really honest, do I fear that government policy today is playing into the roots of totalitarianism? 
Yes, of course it is. Likewise, a report later released by the Canadian Armed Forces revealed that military leaders saw COVID as a unique opportunity to test propaganda techniques on the public, shaping and exploiting information to bolster government messages about the virus. As a result of these domestic propaganda campaigns across the world, we were all treated to such delightful slogans as just stay home or two weeks to slow the spread or follow the science or we're all in this together. Each, of course, is truly Orwelli- an Orwellian fashion being a bold-faced lie. Needless to say, pro-lockdown officials cannot launch a massive propaganda campaign to deliberately terrify citizens into complying with lockdown measures, then turn around and use that fear to excuse the effects of the lockdowns into which they deliberately terrified citizens into complying. Here's the second thing that happened. Studies have borne out that it was government's own lockdown measures that were most responsible for the widespread fear of COVID. There was a study that was done by the Cardiff University demonstrated that the primary factor by which citizens judged the threat of COVID was their own government's decision to employ lockdown measures. Here's what the university said, quote, We found that people judge the severity of the COVID-19 threat based on the fact the government imposed a lockdown. In other words, they thought it must be bad if the government's taking such drastic measures. In other words, if the government says it's dangerous and it's bad, it's bad. We also found that the more they judged the risk in this way, the more they supported lockdowns. According to the most widely cited study on COVID's infection fatality rate by age, the average infection uh, fatality rate of COVID for those under 40 years old never exceeded 0.01%. But in surveys conducted regularly by the University of Southern California on average throughout 2020 and through 2021, Americans under 40 consistently estimated their chance of dying if they contracted the virus to be around 10%. So there was a 1,000-fold overestimation. Did you get that? A 1,000-fold overestimation. They did this to put fear into us and to control us. And guess what? It worked. I went to Holy Mass this morning with Terry Barber. There are still people wearing masks. The priest was wearing a mask the whole time. Saying, Father, Father, please. You're made in the image and likeness of God. We want to see your face. You're in persona Christi. Don't put a mask on Jesus. I felt like saying, but I didn't. I was, I tempered my passions. I kept my mouth shut, just prayed. But the Cardiff study, this university, Cardiff University study, it's clear that it was the government's decision to lock down uh, 
not these stories from large liberal cities that was the primary driver of COVID hysteria. Here's a third thing that we found out with all this COVID fear propaganda. There's no new evidence that fear of COVID had reached anywhere near the level of mass hysteria responsible for this level of devastation prior to the lockdowns. Prior to the cascade of lockdowns across Western nations in spring 2020, life was actually surprisingly normal. And even those who would later spend years demanding harsh mandates were still generally discussing COVID in reassuring and sensible terms. The Atlantic, for example, published an excellent piece titled, quote, You're Likely to Get the Coronavirus. And on February 27, 2020, the New York Times considered the cost to society too great to justify even temporary school closures, noting the tendency for officials to just do something to give voters the impression that the government's in charge, even if it's not relevant. And even on social media, discussion of the virus was surprisingly tame. Prior to the COVID lockdown of Lombardy, Italy, it's difficult to identify even a single individual in the world who was publicly advocating or hoping that the world would come to adopt China's lockdown policy. And weeks later, hundreds of thousands of tweets appeared using many languages and dialects to admire China's lockdowns in nearly identical terms while denigrating other governments' light-handed responses. But these tweets turned out to be from bots, <laughs> not real people. While there was some strange shortage of goods like toilet paper, these could generally be attributed to a small number of panicked individuals. And the fact is, until lockdowns began, COVID hysteria simply hadn't entered the mainstream. And for the vast majority of us, life continued largely as normal. And given the studies discussed above, it's very hard to believe that any panic would have continued much longer absent these cataclysmic decisions by governments. And so, one country really that wasn't fooled and that pushed back immediately, surprise, surprise, was Sweden. Sweden basically said the data speaks for itself. Sweden, which, which was unique among Western nations in that it had no lockdown and few COVID mandates to speak of. Ultimately, Sweden experienced the lowest excess death rate of any Western nation from 2020 to 2022. Thus, even if the devastation of the response to COVID is attributable primarily to fear rather than to the restrictions themselves, Sweden's example demonstrates that frightening events happen happening internationally did not by themselves lead to that level of fear. Rather, it was primarily the COVID policies that governments impose on their own populations at the domestic level that resulted in such deadly amounts of fear. 
by avoiding these terrifying lockdowns and mandates, Sweden successfully avoided that terror and resulting devastation that accompanied it. Good for you, Sweden. The fact is, no matter how you look at it, Sweden's example wholly undermines the argument for lockdowns and mandates, making it unmistakably clear that they were extremely harmful to the states and countries that implemented them. Hmm. Gee, I wonder why. <laughs> I wonder why. Good for you, Sweden. They led the charge. In general, what we saw is health officials argued for COVID restrictions to be even stricter, even though the evidence militated against them. And laws and recommendations are requests that governments make of their citizens. And in the instances in which COVID mandates were enforced, these enforcements were devastating. And so Western leaders' best excuse is that foreign influence, rather than their own errors, was the primary driver of widespread hysteria during COVID. But governments have yet to acknowledge that pro-lockdown foreign influence had any significant effect on policy and have actively downplayed evidence of it. Of course they have. They're not going to admit that they were wrong. Even if fear was the primary driver of devastation during COVID, because Western leaders' policies were a major contributor to that fear while having no real benefit, then these policies amounted to a policy of catastrophes regardless, and the pure fear defense fails, that argument fails. Since the pure fear argument arguably locked down apologists' strongest, it falls apart for the above reasons. All that remains was the vast cover-up and the refusal to discuss lockdowns. The actual effects that we've witnessed from the establishment for the past three years, from the New World Order, from the Great Resetters, from the globalists, it remains to be seen how long this cover-up cover will last. Though, as I believe, this cover-up of reality being fundamental to the origins of totalitarianism, huh, I think they probably came from the CCP, the Chinese Communist Party. That's my take. Hey, church, that's a wrap. Jesus 911, I'm done. EOW, end of watch. We'll see you next time. Same Christ time, same Christ channel. God bless you, keep the faith. And good for you, God bless you, all you Bostonian Catholics. We're standing up for Jesus. That's what we're all called to do. Stand up, stand up, stand up for Jesus. With your life, with your lips, and with your love. See you next time.